0: The sun is down, the street lights are on, and you're listening to largely the truth with Brennan Storr. To all you restless sleepers and midnight creepers, leery-eyed truckers and the graveyard shift, this is Brennan Store, and you're listening to Largely the Truth. Whether you're staring at a screen or the lines on the road, all is well. And for the next little while, it's going to stay that way. Because I'm here, you're there, and together, we're going to enjoy the night. Welcome back to Largely the Truth. I am your host, Brennan Store, and this is the internet's favorite podcast, the internet just doesn't know it yet. How is everyone doing out there? I hope this finds you well. I myself am slowly acclimating to the world being open. Uh, this isn't new exactly, but it's, it's new to me. I've booked my first plane tickets since February 2020, and uh, I gotta be honest, that's not something I was sure I'd ever do again. And I mean, of course, I'll be wearing a mask, because COVID or no, there's no way I'm getting on a goddamn plane with Owen ever again. But you know, even with that, knowing the world is out there is, oh man, it's reassuring. <laughs> it is reassuring because my lifeblood is random encounters, meeting people that my day-to-day life just simply wouldn't connect me to, and then getting to know those people. And given that, man, tonight's show couldn't be any better timed. My guest is Cannell, a UK-based battle rapper and horror podcast host who I was lucky enough to meet in the course of things, and we have one hell of a conversation. We go from his time as a drum and bass DJ, to dancing to the Banana Boat song on acid in a Minnesota basement, to the filmography of director Albert Pune, and how QAnon took all the fun out of conspiracy theories. This is a great one, and I really think you're going to enjoy it. Before we get started, don't forget to come find the show on the Repod app. The show has a dedicated room where you can come by and say hi. Just search for Largely the Truth. Again, that's the Repod app. Just search for Largely the Truth. Finally, if you want ad-free episodes, head on over to Patreon.com slash Largely the Truth where $2 a month gets you exactly that. Again, that's Patreon.com slash Largely the Truth for an ad-free feed and bonus content when available. In fact, later this week, patrons will be getting an additional 10 to 15 minutes of conversation between Cannell and I and that's in addition to the bonus conversations we've posted recently between myself, Steve Strett, and Andrew Piper, Chad from Moonrun Radio 3, Mark from the Blue Pine Society, and a few others. I believe Darko Richards has bonus content as well. So great conversations with great people. And really, folks, that's what the show is all about. So I hope you come check it out. All right. With that out of the way, it's time to sit back, relax, and reach out to Canal battle rapper, and host of Cannell's Sinister Cinema. My guest tonight is Cannell, a prolific UK-based battle rapper whose 100-plus contests have garnered hundreds of thousands of views on YouTube. He's also a massive fan of the horror genre, a passion he shares with his audience on the YouTube show Canell's Sinister Cinema, also known as the KSC Podcast. Canell, welcome to Larger the Truth, man. Yes, lad. Flipping thanks for having me on, man. Good to be here, man. Well, I met you and I thought, this is a person I need to know more about. And then I, as I was mentioning off air, I watched your podcast and I thought, nope, this is, this is, this, this is a conversation I need to have.
1: Good stuff, man. Good stuff, man. I've been checking into your stuff, man. I'm, it's fascinating to me. It's not like some of it's like not necessarily my area, but it's like, I like hearing people talk about stuff that I don't understand. I, I, I want to hear the people who are into that talk about it. Like I live in a place called Chester in the uk we're, we're like uh quite a historical city like uh, the romans invaded here we got this big wall around us that was built by the romans and all this but like, like there was a lot of beef with whales because we're right on the border and i'm from just over the border and like yeah flipping like like, like ghosts and all that kind of thing a kind of a part of our culture around here like, like every pub's got a haunted story
0: <laughs> yes that is very true I know uh, Paul, yeah. my co-host on the, the on the my new co-host on that show. He's from uh, Sheffield. Oh yeah, yeah. He lives in Sheffield, and he's always got a like a yeah haunted pub story with the battle rap stuff. Like I said to you off air, man. I, I watched a couple of your videos, and they just gave me mega anxiety. The the idea of having a total stranger pointing out my flaws in front of a mm-hmm. room full of people does not seem like a good time. But you must have brass balls. Uh,
1: it it is, man. But at the same time, like there's there's a lot of love behind the scenes. You know, it's like flipping, like 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 we're saying these horrendous things to each other, but you know, straight afterwards we're gonna high five and then we're gonna get a drink together. Like, okay, that's very cool. So it's it's, it's while we're kind of like putting ourselves out there in all these kinds of crazy ways, and people like interpret things about you. Like the most minor thing about you, people will turn it into like, oh, you like this one comment on Twitter once. So that means you're an actual Nazi and all this, and they'll present it in that way. And you've got to stand there and listen to it, knowing it's not true, and knowing they're presenting it in a way that's so good that people believe it. But then you get your go-like. I, I, I love it. It's, I love it because of that equal standing. It's the fact that uh, you can be in front of someone and you can say all these terrible things, and they're going to say them to you. And that's the important thing. It's it, it's it's a two way thing. Like, like, like I th- think like a a lot of the time people talk about this whole thing about like a oh oh uh, like something should be punching up or something should be punching down. Well, in battle rap, it's only ever punching across. Everything's on an equal level, and that's what I love about it.
0: That's very cool. I, I mean, there was the one uh, you were battling a guy named So. Or so- oh Eto- yeah, Soweto
1: Kinch. Kinch? Yeah, yeah. Flipping incredible artist, flipping like that—that's someone you, that's worth looking into. He's like this. Uh, he—he's he's come from quite an interesting background. He—he's like uh, been through like some of the highest education systems it's possible to go through in the UK, but he got there basically just through how talented he was from like early, like and like uh. Oh, okay. Like, like he, flipping, like he pulled the right one on me. Like, I mean, like uh. That's another one of, like, that's a very good example of, like, taking something and then, like, because uh, it all related back to when uh, my mate Hulk posted this flyer and I reposted it. And, like, it it, it, it was all kind of a joke about the fact that, like, uh, there's different leagues in battle rap and they all have, like, different biases and different things. So they kind of get de- – so, like, so, some things are, like, more uh, about uh, – if you think about it in hip hop, like going way back, like, you know, it used to be, you know, they used to have like your thug rappers and you used to have your backpack rappers. And it used to be that, it used to be nerds and all that. And it like, right. he, he is like Hulk's idea was that originally like, you know, what if we just had a, a league where it was just called blacks versus whites? But it turns out like when you get there, it's just a normal event. It's just talented people all around. And that's just how the matchups right. are made. But uh, we were on King of the Ronalds at the time. King of the Ronalds was a very controversial league, but we were trying to be controversial and and, and, like say the things that other people wouldn't and all this kind of thing. So we made quite a controversial flyer. And because I reposted it, he like kind of like, like Soweto, like saw that opportunity to kind of like represent it in the battle that I'd made the flyer and I was doing this and all these things. And like flipping, like that's an example of how you take something and like, present it in a way that's like crazy and then i've got a battle uphill against that like flipping (laughs) terrifying stuff like because like the format for that battle is is like for people who aren't familiar with battle rap it's like nowadays it's more or less in the written format where you write your bars beforehand and then you present it but uh like uh people like 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 me and soweto we're from a more old school era where we can freestyle as well so, like, the the thing for that battle is we were both going to do one written round and then one freestyle round. So I went first and presented with my stuff. I talked about his middle-class background and how he went to these, like, posh universities and he was, like, in, in with all these politicians that are currently in government now and we're dealing with all this stuff like the cost-of-living crisis and all this. And then he comes back and he relates to it with all this stuff, like, well, fucking, like, here I've got some actual proof that you're a genuine flipping Nazi and it isn't, but he presents it like that and it works. Sure. And like, that's kind of how you do it. But then I had to freestyle after it. Like it was oh, fucking no. terrifying. But <laughs> that's what we do. Flipping. You, yeah, you yeah. flipping confront people with things and then flipping like, then they have to like argue their way out of it. Like it's, I, I love it so much.
0: <laughs> and that comes through on stage. I mean, you 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 just genuinely yeah. seem to enjoy being there and I've noticed no matter who wins, the crowd always laughs more at your bars.
1: Uh th- this is it like flipping like I'm 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 not trying to be like Mr. Superstar over here like like for, there's people that have got like a lot more views than me and there's people that are a lot more famous online. But it's like the one th- the thing that is like my whole bit is that I make sure that everyone in the room who's paid for a ticket has a good time. Like that that's my whole jam. Like like more more so than even winning the battle. I flipping want everyone in the room rocking. If you pay for a
0: ticket for a battle that I'm involved with, you're gonna have a good time, like. Yeah. And again, based on the videos, that certainly yeah, that bears out. How long you been doing this?
1: Uh, I've been doing it since twenty fifteen, like Uh, Like, my background was, like, I was a DJ, like a drum and bass DJ, but uh, I was a vinyl DJ, like, you know, I was into that whole thing, like, you know, I was into the collecting and that side of it and, like, having the tunes that no one else had, and I'd have a tune that, uh, flipping, the only way you could get it is by going to London and, like, going to the one shop with the guy who made the record works and you'd have to buy a copy off him and all that kind of thing. And like that, that that's gone away now. As we moved in, like DJing's more digital now. Right. And like, uh, I did a few gigs, like you know, uh, like playing MP3s and all that, like. But it, the, the thing that I'd loved about the art had gone. Right. So So uh, that's why I kind of dropped out of DJing. But I had this whole thing where, for a while, like I, I, I didn't have any kind of like creative outlet as a result. But like I'd I'd always like uh battle my mates like freestyle battle my mates, and like uh kind of got involved with like the spoken word scene a bit where I'd just like spit acapella verses. Okay. But like uh I always loved battle rap. Like I kind of gravitated to that. I was uh like uh I was doing a, I was doing like a thing for a spoken word festival in Nottingham. Nottingham's a very interesting place, and uh. While well, I was down there, like uh, a guy, Luke Euphorical, also Vandal, he does a lot of touring in the States now. Like, he uh, goes, he, he heard my style goes, you like battle rap, don't you? Come and do a tryout. So I tried out on Clash Money and I've just been carrying on doing it since. It's, it, it, it's been a great hobby, man. It's taken me around the world, like flipping. I've been to, you know, I battled in New York, Minneapolis battled in Ireland,
0: I battled on the continent, also all over the place, like. Oh, shit. I didn't realize it was as popular in other places. That's that's very cool. I mean, anytime you can do yeah, something man. that allows you to travel.
1: Yeah, that's it, man. There's not a lot of money in it, but I've, it's all
0: about the love. Yeah, yeah. It's like podcasting, right? Yeah, love of the game, mate. Exactly. So how much work goes into prepping for a battle? It kind
1: of varies, man. Like, flipping for, for a really... Like uh, for the for my first few years of battling, I was battling every week, and like basically, I'd wake up on Monday with a hangover, go to work, <laughs> then go straight to the pub after work, write three rounds, memorize it over the next few days, and do the get, go to a city I'd never been to before on the Saturday, and then perform. But uh, nowadays, like flipping, like I i I'm, I'm in like uh, the top ten for most battles in the uk like out of all the uk rappers i'm in the i'm number eight for most battles ever done like which is which is Holy a wild shit. achievement considering how many we got and uh nowadays like i i'm not i'm not out every weekend like that anymore like now i'm i'm i just sort of supporting my league don't flop and i'm uh sort of like trying to get on the big events i'll do things in the meantime just to keep things ticking over but like nowadays, it, 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 it's not so much the every week like.
0: Right, right. But, uh, yeah. Do you know the people you're generally battling or do you have to look them up on social media? Do you sort of do yeah, that kind yeah. of research? Or uh,
1: it- most of the time, uh, I, I, I'm known as the zero research guy. Flipping. I, I don't do it like I'll, I'll, like, generally I'm like battling people. Like, like it's people that I know. Because, like, it's a very small scene and we all know each other. And, like, also, I think, like, uh, the whole doing the research thing, like, uh, there's a very iconic battle, uh, Jefferson Price versus Caustic. And, and, like, uh, I'd recommend, like, if you want to watch a a flipping plot twist, that's the battle you watch. You watch Jefferson Price versus Caustic. But okay. after that, there became this whole uh, big movement of like researching people and finding things out about them. I don't do that. I'm going to talk about what you look like. I'm going to talk about what <laughs> I think someone you look like is like and all that like, right. and just do things that are kind of relatable to the audience. Because if you're going to start going into like real life stuff, then you've got to waste bars explaining things to the audience. And no, I don't want to do that. I just want to say funny things and get people vibing.
0: Is there one particular battle you've done where you think, yeah, this this was my high point? I don't know. I don't really look at them in
1: terms of like victories, like because my like, my most convincing victories have been guys who like haven't done that well. But I'd, I'd, I'd oh, okay. say the ones uh, that I enjoy watching back most is uh, uh, probably me versus Shuffle T, because that was a uh, that was a great one. That was like a top contenders match for the title. That was one of my favourites. Uh, uh, there's a guy called Jinx in Scotland. And I really enjoyed that because I like going and battling someone in their area. And like uh, it, Jinx is someone who isn't really known outside of Scotland. But like if, if you if you go to Scotland, if you hang around Glasgow, if you hang around Edinburgh, they're like, yeah, we know who Jinx is. He's, he's like their <laughs> local guy. That's what I like doing. And also uh, uh, um, w- one of my favourite battles in my first year, was versus a guy called Billy Shakes from Alberta. And uh, this took place in uh, Minneapolis on uh, the No Coast League. And this was literally in the basement of someone's house because I was arriving a day after. Like, a bunch of us were going over. It was like King of the Ronalds versus No Coast in Minneapolis. And, like, uh, most of the other lads battled the day before, but, like, uh, I arrived a day late. So I ended up battling literally in some guy's basement. And this guy Billy uh, <laughs> Billy Shakes, he's uh, he, he's one of these guys who like in the third round he'll go oh now I'm going to talk about the real stuff and like just go on about like why you're a terrible person and all this kind of thing and I was braced right. for that so in my third round I'd go go yeah I'm a terrible person and here's why and li- uh, and like started being even more obnoxious to c- try and trump him and then in his first round. He broke into the Banana Boat song and suddenly like party poppers started going off all over here and he passed me a, <laughs> a thing of tequila. It turned out his last round was a musical number and everyone in the basement who, by the way, were also on acid, including me, all started <laughs> dancing simultaneously and it broke into a musical number in the middle of the basement. canalvis, versus Billy Shakes, like. That's the thing. The unpredictability, the spontaneity. I could have never predicted that, but that
0: was like such an amazing moment. And I'm just looking at Billy Shakes is from Edmonton. I've I've got family over there. Yeah, man. uh, Where where are you based, is it? Oh, uh, I'm on the west coast of Canada. So Vancouver Island. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool, cool,
1: cool. I know know, know there's there's some cool heads from Vancouver, flipping
0: pigsty and cope and all that. Okay. Yeah, I know a few. I know, I know a few cool guys from flipping Vancouver. I'm actually surprised there's still any kind of scene over there. That place has gentrified so much.
1: Well, flipping like uh, the place might be gentrified, but creativity never goes away. They're probably not living living in the in, in the exact same place they were, but creativity never goes away.
0: No, I, I, again, I find that really inspiring because I, 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 the West Coast, especially like Victoria, seems to really kind of root out, again, it's gentrification, but also just people, you know, they get this sort of idea mm-hmm. that they're above certain things and they start kind of making it yeah. hard for those things to take place. So it's uh, it's nice to know it's still happening. Yeah.
1: Still happening. Like the thing gentrification does, it doesn't kill the current generation, but it kills the next generation, like doesn't it? People in like flipping coffee shops that have got their uh, neon signs in the background and that, they're not creating on the.
0: When I was in my early 20s, I grew up in a really small town in the mountains, but, uh, when I started going out to the coast, you know, it was mostly for punk shows and there was lots of great shows in Vancouver. You know, there'd be all these like tiny little punk shows and metal shows and. And there was the venues for it. Wasn't it like. That's it. And a lot of them have gone away. It's
1: when the venues go, man, you'll always have the creativity, but when the venues go, man, that's
0: when you lose a scene. We're going to pause here to take a quick break to pay the bills, but we'll be right back. So moving away from, from battle rep, let's talk about the podcast, Canal Sinister Cinema, the, the KSC podcast. When did you start doing that?
1: The original incarnation of Canal Sinister Cinema was basically me having a breakdown in flipping her. Cause for the first time in my adult life, I didn't have gigs coming up over uh, like uh, during the first lockdown and like my gigs got canceled right. and like, I needed to do something. So I just tried to do a YouTube channel and it was just, me speaking into my phone and talking about films and that. Kind of moved away for that and gig started up again. But I, like, I, I really enjoyed doing it, so I wanted to do something a bit proper now. So the KSC podcast, it's kind of like a, uh, it's kind of like a chat podcast. Uh, I do it in the Damn Daniel Studios, uh, shout out the Damn Daniel podcast, and like a, a like a studio, get a guest in and have a chat about cult films, like. It kind of skews towards horror because that's my taste, but I bring in other people to like sort of say things that I'm not going to say because I, I I enjoy the conversation aspect of it. That's why like it's a uh, face-to-face in a room, like we both got a beer and all that kind of thing. I think you, I, th- I think like under those circumstances, you you say things that you wouldn't normally say or think, and you're more open to listening to ideas that you wouldn't normally listen to. So the conversation actually becomes a thing. Rather than someone just stating their opinion, it forces you to kind of not only like re, like explain yourself a bit more, rather than saying this is what I think and it's a fact. But it also like you know puts more ideas into your head. It's that interchange. That's what I really like. Like, which probably goes back to battle
0: rap. Yeah, and, and I gotta say I, I like that in person thing because the thing that drives me crazy about stuff yeah. like Zoom or or Zencaster, which we're using here is you mm-hmm. sometimes get the delay like we you and I've got about a 20 second delay 10 second delay right now and so yeah. it, it's it just changes the conversation just a little bit whereas when you're in person you can just kind of be there and yeah. be in the moment and react and that's something I like about what you're doing yeah. on, on KSC
1: yeah it's it it's a lot harder to do i could probably get a lot more guests in if i was only doing it on zoom and like a, it's definitely like Definitely causing me a few issues with being able to get people in. But sure. ultimately, I think when people get on to what I'm doing, like, uh, then more people will be more inclined to come in and I'll be able to get more guests that way. So it's kind of uphill at the minute, like, yeah. but I've got a vision. I know where I'm going with it. I, I know it's something that people want because it's what I want. Like, it's, 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 it's that old skit from the first Wu-Tang album. The woo got something, and I know people want it because that's what I want. Like, that's my mentality <laughs> with it. So, yeah, I haven't got many views right now, and it's doing a lot better on audio than it is on video, even though I'm flipping paying for a favorite studio. But <laughs> I, I th- I'm doing something that I know people will ultimately be able to relate to a bit more.
0: Absolutely. No, I, again, I think you got the the, the all the, all the bones are there. It's just, as you say, dialing it in and finding an audience. As long as you got the passion, as long as you like doing it, then shit comes and the conversations you have on there, you know, there's something I really appreciate about it is the fact that, uh, well, one, you really know your stuff. I mean, watching you talk to Dave Wayne, who is a film writer and obviously he does the commentary tracks for stuff like 88 films. You guys could, there was just no, there was almost no titles that he mentioned that you didn't recognize and vice versa i think um the old, i think the one that maybe didn't land out of all of them was project project shadow chaser and i mean that's that's such an obscure fucking movie
1: yeah for, that was a new one on me i'm looking into them dave wayne is like he, he has an elite net level of b movie exploitation movie knowledge like like pro- possibly on the planet like
0: you guys were talking about Jim Wynorski, who, uh, you know, most people know from Chopping Mall. Yeah. He's a, for our listeners, he's a director. And I didn't realize he was still working, but you guys were well aware of the fact you No, know, he's been banging out these exploitation movies, you know, and I had no idea yeah. he was still working. This
1: is it. Like uh, a lot of those people are from that background. They've, they've got this talent. It's like, particularly like Wynorski, David Dakota, people like them. Flipping, like they've got this talent to like knock out these like watchable films in like quite a short space of time. As the markets change, they've had to do different things. So they've had to do like uh, the erotic thrillers, the soft porn parodies, all these kind of things, but they've still been working and they still got that creative juice in them. Like Wynorski's incredible. Like he must be coming up to 100 films at this point.
0: Oh, I I would think so. Yeah. I mean, he's there's the rate he's cranking them out. It's kind of a miracle that yeah. these guys can keep making these things, right? Because I was thinking about that when listening to the show, and thinking about how you know Adam Green shot Hatchet Four in eleven days, and Josh Lobo shot yeah. um, I Saw the Devil or I Trapped the Devil in nine days. Wow,
1: that that that's a hell of a film and all. Like the whole thing It's like the full moon model of like having like the the one location thing in it. Oh, yeah. That's when the real talent comes in with script writing and making it interesting when it's just all in one room. I mean, you, you could apply that for anything from Glen Gary, Glenn Ross to, like, Evil Bong 4. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like being able to tell a story within a, a specific lockdown location and make it entertaining and make it look visually interesting and have it appeal to the people that you are trying to sell it to
0: in addition to the horror shit i watch a lot of dtv action movies you know sort of the um oh yeah James Nun, scott adkins kind of stuff and i've noticed a lot of that you know that's a lot of those are one single location you yeah. know sort of by uh, by just like budget requirements and again it's yeah. you can always tell when it's about to happen you think okay we're not leaving this building but it's always interesting to see how they yeah. make use of those buildings
1: uh, well, One of my favorite ones is uh, uh Albert Pune's uh, Mean Guns.
0: Do you know that one? Yeah, 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 yeah. With Christopher Lambert.
1: Yeah, yeah. And flipping iced tea and that. And an all rumba soundtrack set in a prison. <laughs> just, just such a wild setup for a film, but they did it. And, and it's entertaining as yeah. flip.
0: I mean, Albert Pune has got to be the king of being able to do that, of of taking. Almost nothing, and spinning it into something watchable.
1: Yeah, there, there, there was a point like, uh, I mean, like, if you look at Cyborg, Flipping Cyborg was basically like Canon Films had like lost the uh, license to Masters of the Universe when they were going to do Master of the Universe 2. And they were going to do uh, the Spider Man with James Cameron. They'd lost licenses to them, but they'd already like made some props for them. So they just said to Albert Pune, make any film you can with these props. And he made cyborg. And then and then uh, Bloodsport blew up. So like Van Damme's big. So they go, okay, we need this to be bigger. So they said, like, right, we need you to do some reshoots on this. And he goes, okay, I need seven days and this much money. Complete all the reshoots in the first four days. And in the last third and in the last three days. He made another film <laughs> flipping with the same cast and crew without telling them they'd done it. It was just a script he'd written in one sitting or whatever. Made that film end to end in three days, everything done in one take. There's one bit where, like, some guys, like, not even standing in, in the light and all this kind of thing. <laughs> everything, one take, did it all in three days, went to Cannes and sold it. <laughs> But yeah, like uh, the people who were in that film didn't, and the people who made that film didn't find out until like years later when IMDb came out and they like opened their profile. <laughs> and go, I don't remember being in this. <laughs> King shit, yes, Albert Pugh.
0: That that reminds me of the um, and one and one of the things you champion on the show that I love is uh, physical media because I'm a big supporter of physical media myself. Yeah, yeah, and. That reminds me of one of the films I bought from Vinegar Syndrome. Uh, it was an Agfa release, Jungle Trap. They, it's one of these like shot on, uh, shot on video horror movies from kind of that, that home video boom in the 80s. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Talking to those people yeah. who watching the supplements, you know, they were in this thing and some of them barely remember it. You know, they're kind of like, oh shit, yeah, I did that. And I, I sort of love that we're getting to see yeah. all that stuff now, that technology is allowing us to See stuff like like uh, Jungle Trap and, uh, I, again, I can't remember the name of the Albert Pune movie, but just bringing that stuff up and, and making it more available.
1: Yeah, it's, 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 it's fantastic. I've got so much love for it. Because, like, I mean, like there's a whole thing about the internet never forgets, but it kind of will. Oh, like, yeah. Ultimately, there's going to come a point, like, if a film only exists in torrents, that torrent's probably 360p, and there's going to come a point when people're going to stop seeding it things will like i think it was like martin scorsese said that there's like films after a certain year just don't really actually exist anymore because no one is looking after them so knowing that there's people oh, yeah. out there like vinegar syndrome who are some of our all-time favorites and people like that looking after these films and like making sure that and restoring them so that new audiences can see them is just incredible to me, and I will always support it. I'd encourage, like, flipping any of your listeners to get into physical media now, because the thing to realize about it is that no one can take it away. That's it. Like, I got into streaming for a long time. And, like, when I went back into physical media, it was I remember that there was a specific incident that led to me getting back into physical media it was, I was watching Umberto Lenzi's Nightmare City on Prime, and I got halfway through it, and I stopped it, and I went to the pub, and uh, oh no, I went to pick it up the next day, and it had been taken offline. Oh, that's it, man. So we got like, like anything that's online can be taken offline, but no one can take away your hard copy of it.
0: That's it. I I've had movies disappear from my iTunes yeah. library because they've lost the. Uh, the rights to it and the first time it happened i was shocked and then i thought well fuck this this is silly
1: well this is it like i mean like uh the the example i used i brought it up in the dave wayne episode is uh the uh episode the louis ck episode of louis with uh what should we call it robin williams which is like one one of the most powerful half hours of television i've ever seen in my life like Because I mean, it's uh, like most of it's just a conversation between them two, like sort of meditating on the nature of death and like comedians that won't be missed and all this kind of thing. It's a really powerful half hour of TV, but it never came out on Blu-ray because after the the, they released the first two episodes, the first two seasons of Louis on Blu-ray, and uh, the rest they just kept on streaming. But Louis C.K. Mixed up with a bit of badness. And like the Louis series is owned by Fox, which is owned by Disney. That's probably never going to be released again. Like, and it's probably not going to be on Disney Plus anytime soon. But like it, that thing, Robin Williams talking about the nature of death in what turned out would be the period when he was considering taking his own life. It's like, it's some very powerful stuff that will, is no longer available online. But that could happen to anything. That could happen to any show because we don't know what, like, the people who make all this entertainment that we love are up to, and some of them may well be bad bastards. And
0: Absolutely, man.
1: So, like, at any moment, like, flipping, if that's how it's going to be that, it, it, you know, if if someone's involved in some badness and I'm not supporting that, But if they get involved in some badness, then like a streaming company say, yeah, we're having nothing to do with this anymore, then it's gone and it can be anything. It's not even about like things that are particularly offensive in that. It's just about the people that are, who made it and anything that we love could just disappear from online at any time. So you need a hard copy.
0: And and I think a great argument too, for physical media is I recently watched, have you seen The Cellar, Uh, the Irish horror film, The Cellar? Yeah, I know the seller. That's a good film. That was great. But watching it on Shutter, man, the the, the pixelization and the banding in the dark areas, it drove me nuts. Yeah. And if you see that yeah. watch it on a disc, yeah, obviously you don't have that compression problem. And that I think that alone is a great argument for physical media when you're talking about movies which require yeah. like, a proper visual presentation.
1: That that's another thing I talk about a lot is that it's good to have like a good copy of your thing because like all these films are films that you could have like flipping downloaded or flipping BitTorrent like years ago or anything. But those versions are like 360p and things have moved on yeah. and like when you're watching them in the current area you're like, yeah, this is this thing I used to love is now unwatchable. That's never gonna be the case if you buy a hard copy that's always
0: going to be good. Do you remember the Sylvester Stallone attempted a horror film, uh, detox or I see you? Uh, yeah, yeah, I do, man. So I I think it was MVD. They put out a, uh, a Blu-ray of that. And what they did is they managed to track down a VHS copy of the original unedited, of the original unfucked with version of that. Uh, basically the director's cut, but it's only on a a quality. It was a VHS that was not in great shape. And I tell you, man, realizing that I used to watch movies that looked like that was kind of a, a shock because I tried to watch it now. And it, honestly, it's a, it's so low res, it's a struggle to keep my focus on it. And I don't know how I ever used to watch movies yeah. on VHS.
1: It's it's wild, isn't it? Like, there's a there's this romanticization of a VHS that just doesn't stand up to scrutiny. Like, uh, uh, another good one. It's like uh, the Arrow release of The Burbs. Oh, yeah. A, on the Arrow release of the Burbs, it's got uh, the director's cut, which is just off the only version that exists, which is John Landis's VHS. I watched that recently, and uh, that's pretty fascinating because there was like a whole subplot cut out of that film, where like the reason that Tom Hanks is like dossing around at home all day is because he's been sacked by his job, but he hasn't told his wife yet, oh, which like shit. brings a whole new different angle to the film. Yeah, yeah. It it was interesting to watch. Like Arrow were really good for that. Uh, Like uh, if you got their version of Exorcist Three, it's got the original Legion cut, which uh, goes in and out between the new version and like some old VHS mashup version that's the only one available. When like Brad Dorif was like uh, performing all the stuff, and it wasn't cut in
0: between the original actor and that. Yeah, uh, actually, the Scream Factory Edition has that as well.:
1: Scream Factory. I need a word about Scream Factory, like flipping. Scream Factory are the people that have forced me to flip and spend extra money on getting a multi-region players. You have to, because <laughs> they only ever put their stuff out in Region A, and they buy the worldwide rights to something. You can't get a U.K. version of the 98 of the 88 the blob. You can't get the uncut My Bloody Valentine except on Screen Factory. If you're in the UK, you have to have a multi-region player to get them. So I will say that's one thing that I really do like about this new UHD 4K format is that everything's multi-region, which is how it
0: should be. (laughs) I didn't know that about 4K. I had no idea. Yeah.
1: You you can't get the blob in the UK unless you've got a multi-region player. But... It's a film worth buying a multi-region player for.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, doesn't uh, Joe Lynch do a commentary track yeah. on that? We, we were talking about him off air.
1: Uh, I believe so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't checked it yet, though. That, that's not really a film that I like. kind of dip into. It's like that's the kind of film where I've had a few beers. I'm going like, yeah, whack it on. Watch The blog. <laughs> Absolute underrated banger.
0: Oh, shit. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's a hell of a movie.
1: What was it? The like Chuck Russell. His first three movies were Nightmare on Elm Street 3, 1988 The Blob, and then The Mask. That's a big three That's a big three movie run by anyone's <laughs> standards.
0: And he managed to make, I think, the last good Schwarzenegger movie, which was Eraser in '96. So really that's four movies. Eraser rocks. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. I rate Eraser a lot, like. Speaking of, of having to buy a region-free player, you guys have 88 films, and I am deeply jealous of that shit, because they have had some great stuff come out.
1: I, I understand from Dave Wayne, is like, they're moving into, like, they're going to be putting out these, uh, UHDs. Right. So, I bought a UHD player, flipping like three, uh, two weeks ago. Here's right. how it went down. Like, because I was talking with Dave about, like, he goes, oh, are you going to buy one? I'm going, oh, I'm kind of thinking about it. Like, I went into a, I went into HMV, which is, like, my local DVD, uh, like, chain. It's like a chain. It used to be huge, but, like, there's only a few of them. But there's one in Chester that's right by my house. So I was right by there, and they had a Blu-ray sale on. And I got that big, cu- chunky cu- Kubrick box set with oh, uh, all yeah. the Flipping all the Kubrick films in it for like twenty five quid, which is an absolute bargain. Oh. And that then, like, I, I looked at it and it's got the, like the UHD four Ks of uh, the Shining in two thousand one in it. Nice. So I immediately like bought a three hundred pounds. I immediately spent three hundred pounds <laughs> on a UHD player. <laughs> yeah, what a bargain! <laughs> got this for 25 quid Spent another 300 i'm glad i did it though
0: <laughs> all right one last ad break and we'll be right back just a reminder that patrons don't have to listen to any of this crap patreon.com slash largely the truth two dollars a month gets you an ad free feed we'll be right back now can you still be scared by her oh I'm,
1: I'm 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 pretty desensitized but I could still get in the atmosphere, like particularly, uh, well, like if I'm in a cinema or something. Like I, I, I can like put myself in the place, but it, it took me a bit to do that. Like my introduction to
0: horror. Uh, you familiar with Ghost Watch? Of course, yeah. With uh, with Michael Parkinson.
1: Yeah, yeah. Flipping, I saw that on the on the original broadcast. Oh wow! That uh, as like a twelve year old kid, and that was my introduction to horror. Like, like it, it, it's it's very hard to get across the impact that Ghostwatch had, like. Sure. Because you see that, you know, it was like this found footage thing now. But the important thing to realize is, like, the people they had in it, like Craig Charles, Sarah Green and all that, these were the kind of people that would do that kind of show in the UK, and we only had four channels at the time. So right. you were very familiar with these people who were playing themselves. I vividly remember, like, because like, like, uh, we had a Saturday morning kids TV show. I think it was going live, or, or it might have been SMTV or something like that, on, uh, the, on the Saturday after. And, like, it, it was Friday night, and they had to bring all the cast on say, look, they're all alive, like, to all you kids that oh, saw it oh, yesterday. Oh, oh man. Like, like, I remember that broadcast, which, like, I don't think even exists online anymore. But they'd say, look, 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 the ghosts didn't kill them. And that was it. That th- these were real people that we were invested with that we see in shows every week. Like I knew about Craig Charles because I was into Red Dwarf at the time, like I was in primary school, like that, that that was like a big thing. And like Sarah Green was like the presenter of like the kids' TV shows that we'd have. And like we only had like like two channels did kids TV shows, and Sarah Green was me. Th- these were people
0: that we were invested with. It's, That's kind of diabolical. I, I didn't realize that it was that, uh, that connected to kids' stuff because I'm familiar with Ghostwatch. I haven't seen it. This
1: is the thing, like, because, like, when you, sit, when you hear these stories about, like, how, like, Ghostwatch had such an impact, it's like it was advertised as a drama, but, like, parents didn't know that. They thought, oh, look, it's got the kid's TV presenter in it's got the lad out of Red Dwarf in, like. Oh, man. And, like, you know, so we all watched it thinking it was real right like like the conspiracy theory in, in my primary school was like you know it's like you know it was real that that was fake <laughs> a bit on saturday
0: see this this is why everyone's into conspiracy theories now man stuff like this this and blair witch project it just broke everyone's brain
1: exactly that one i i, I kind of keep my ear to the ground with uh conspiracy theories like not because i believe them but just because they're fun like i will say flipping q on took most of the fun out of it. Yes. Flipping like it used to be stuff about aliens and the Dulce shooting and all this kind of thing and flipping now it's flipping Hillary Clinton. might eat babies for all I know, but like, you know, I don't think it's likely. (laughs) Yeah. But that QAnon main flipping conspiracy theories, political, and it took all the fun out of it.
0: It really did, man. I used to love reading about black helicopters and all the theories around Denver airport and things like this. You know, yeah. I, I was there a few years ago and I was walking around looking at the, at the art. and But yeah, now it's just, it, it's crazy pants. You know, it's, it's, it's dangerous. It's yeah, actually dangerous. David Icke
1: used to be someone we could laugh at. <laughs> yes. But now I actually know people who believe that everything he says is real.
0: So my experience with David Icke, you, you'll, you'll, you, since you, you know people who believe him, you will feel my pain. My first girlfriend... Yeah. her and her parents believed David Ike a hundred percent. I was young; I wasn't getting laid. canal. I, 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 would just kind of, I, I went for it because it was there. But hey,
1: bro, brother, I support him, man. I support it. Do your thing. Do your yeah. thing. We go through these things to get to where we're supposed to be.
0: That's it. But her parents, they were they were uh, placer miners, so they had a, cl- a mining claim up in northern BC, yeah. and so she, they had been told by a psychic that there was a, a an earthquake coming a massive worldwide earthquake and that one of the only places that would be saved in North America was their mining claim. What luck. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so they, the, the girl, she had, she was actually going to England. She was going to go live with family. And mm. I said, but her apartment, there was like a two week period where her, she had to give up her apartment, but she, then she was leaving. And I said, Oh, you come stay with me. Cause I was 20 and stupid. And, uh, so she did, but her parents convinced her, no, you can't go to England. Because this calamity is coming and you will be cut off from communication with us for years. So she didn't go to England. Instead, she Mm -hmm. just stayed living with me with no job. And uh, eventually she convinced, not because I believed her, but she was so afraid of me dying in this great earthquake Mm -hmm. that I went up to this mining claim with them. And for two weeks, I lived in literally the middle of nowhere. Like imagine you're 80 kilometers from the nearest phone. Yeah. You're 40 from the nearest neighbor who is an elderly neo-Nazi who literally flies the Nazi flag. There's just trees and Wolverines and there's no electricity. So every night after we're finished mining, you know, kind of running the sluice box and panning and all that shit. You go to the cabin, they make dinner and they sit around reading David Icke books. It's literally like joining a cult for two weeks, man. It was a nightmare. Because they're just, oh yeah, he he says this. That is
1: pretty much a cult, but I'm not going to lie. This story is fire.
0: (laughs) You know, you go to bed, we were living in a trailer, like a little tiny fifth wheel camper, uh, her and I. And at night you'd hear the porcupines underneath this thing, eating all the hoses because they, they like the rubber and porcupines. I don't know if you ever heard them. They sound like old drunks. So you'd wake up in the middle of the- I did not know that, man. Yeah, so you wake up in the middle of the night, totally silent, and all of a sudden you hear, <laughs> and what the fuck is that? Where is that coming from? And it's these little porcupines underneath the thing eating the shit out of all the t- the tubes. Yeah. I put up with it for two weeks, and I said, I am done. I don't care if the earthquake comes. I am quite happy to uh, drown if this is the alternative.
1: Jeez. Have, uh, uh, have you seen the Pizzagate massacre? I haven't, No. That's a very interesting film that I definitely want to hear your opinions on specifically. Okay, it's a it, it's kind of like a it, it, it's a what should we call it fictionalized like it, like it's not actually following like the QAnon PizzaGate thing, right? But it's kind of like a film based on what if this was true, and the main character is like a like a lad who's like involved in a militia. And he was one of uh, David Koresh's illegitimate kids, like. Okay. And he's got to deal with all the all these issues, like, because he believes certain things are real, and like he's got to deal with other conspiracy people that believe certain other aspects of it are real, like the lizards and that. And there's this one character in it who's kind of like a a composite of Alex Jones and Marjorie M- Marjorie Taylor Green. Okay. And all this, thing. but. It's also a a very entertaining film, and like uh, you know, we like uh, it's like him and like uh, the other main characters, this black woman. He's kind of got to deal with the thing that he's been raised in this racist way, but she thinks actually no, this person's cool and all this kind of thing. It's like, it's a very fun film. Like, uh, they put it on at the uh, Soho Film Festival. Like, okay, I'll, I'll shout out Soho. Like, check out Soho Film Festival. Like. They do virtual things. I don't think they're doing so many now. But if there's something going on, just follow them on Twitter. Like, shout out Mitch Harrod. Like, but he put me onto that. And that's a very interesting film that deals with a lot of these communities. Like, normally you only see them in like really depressing documentaries about, look at what has happened to these people. (laughs) All this kind of thing. You know, you only see them in documentaries like this. But this is like kind of like a fun entertaining film that deals with it like so
0: okay I'd, I'd be very interested to see what you think about that like i just rented it so i i will let you know i am going good uh... yes lads. all right my friend well we'll start wrapping it up here where can everyone find you online
1: okay uh you can find uh the ksc podcast on youtube i'd really appreciate you subscribing there because like the audio channels are doing quite well it's canal sinister cinema on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all them ones. But I'd really appreciate a bit of a bump on the YouTube if anyone does that. So, yeah, head over to that. If you want to check my battles, the name is Kinel, K-I-N-E-L-L. There's plenty online for you. And uh, we just released the pay-per-view of the new uh, Don't Flop April Fools event that had some amazing battles in, including one I got my arse kicked in. So uh, yeah, check them out. Uh, if you want to check me on the Twitter, it's at sinister underscore cinema for the podcast and at c o l a k for my nice. personal Twitter.
0: All right, we'll check the show notes for links to all that. Check out the battles. Check out the KSC podcast. You folks are going to you're going to enjoy it. If you like horror, I guarantee. My guest has been canel again, battle rapper and host of canel's Sinister Cinema. Thanks for being here, man.
1: Thanks so much, man. It's been a pleasure.
0: And that's the ball game. Don't forget to check the show notes for links to Canel's social media and a few of his rap battles. I've also linked another battle he mentioned, Jefferson Price versus Caustic, that, uh, <laughs> well, I'll put it this way. If you've ever wanted to see a man murdered with words, boy, do I have the video for you. And again, that's in the show notes along with all of Canel's other stuff. Big thanks to Canell for taking the time to hang out. Thanks, too, to Peter Kershav of Pizanta Music for my fabulous theme song. You can find more from him at nightharvestrecordings.com or by searching for Pizanta Music wherever you get your tunes. And finally, thank you for listening. Without you, there wouldn't be much point. Until next time, I hope the night takes you to the same strange and wonderful places it takes me. And remember, if you're not sure what comes next, put a call out into the dark. You never know who's going to pick up. I'll see you next time.